from News Talk 580-1059 KMJ, this is the Matty Report, Valley Views Edition. Now here's your host, Mark Kepler. The California Partnership for the San Joaquin Valley has noted that, quote, the Valley's economic success depends on a skilled workforce prepared for knowledge-based jobs. However, the education gap of Valley residents is significant. The U.S. Census shows that only 15% of adults have bachelor's degrees, compared to 28% statewide, unquote. The implications are obvious. A less educated workforce means an inability to attract higher paying jobs, keeping the valley behind the economic eight ball in an economy that's increasingly demanding a more educated workforce. The good news, however, is that the valley's higher education institutions are increasingly being recognized for their innovative attempts to increase educational attainment and the dramatic impact that that's having on increasing the social and economic mobility of Valley residents who choose to attend college. In today's program, we'll talk to the leaders of the Valley's four public universities, Fresno State President Saul Jimenez Sandoval, CSU Stanislaus President Susan Borrego, CSU Bakersfield President Lynette Zelezny, and UC Merced Chancellor Juan Munoz. We'll also talk to the leaders of the Valley's leading community colleges about what they're doing to improve career training as well as how they're ensuring a seamless transition for those who want to pursue a degree to a four-year college. Funding for the Maddie Report is made possible by grants from the California Emerging Technology Fund, leaders in the quest for digital equity, the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Fresno State Associated Students, Inc. Students serving students. BNSF Railway, moving our economy for 160 years. And the wonderful company. The Maddie Report is also made possible thanks to contributions from Harris Ranch Inn and Restaurant and E&J Gallo Winery. From the Maddie Institute, the Public Policy Institute for the Valley's four public universities, this is the Maddie Report with Executive Director of the Maddie Institute, Mark Kepler. Welcome. As an East Coast transplant for almost 40 years ago, I can tell you when people think about the Valley, they think of about three words. They'll think agriculture, they'll probably think water, and they'll think Fresno State. So we're very fortunate to be joined by the current president of Fresno State, Salimanez Sandoval, to tell us what's going on with Fresno State, kind of the state of Fresno State. Welcome to the Maddie Report. Thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure to see you and to talk to the Maddie Report. Um, thanks. So recently, um, you wrote an op-ed um, where you said that Fresno State was seeking to strengthen Valley communities with educational partnerships. I just want to wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. We have Bulldog Bound, and Bulldog Bound is this contract that we uh, have with the student, the uh, the school district, and then Fresno State as well. And we promise the the families who sign up for this that we will admit their child into Fresno State, their son or daughter to Fresno State. And we will provide a very consistent, very uh, structured uh, type of information to our to our student and to our families as well. So it's the family is really a crucial component of all of this. Yeah, it seems like you're creating a kind of a very seamless pathway to higher education, which is so important in the Valley because we lag a little behind the rest of the state in the number of people with baccalaureate degrees. And right. that obviously can have a big impact. Let me ask you about this. You also have done this on the heels of a strategic plan you've been working on for over a year. Um, that's going to set the goals and strategies for the university for the next five years. Can you tell us what some of those key strategies and goals are? So the key strategies for that, you know, it's the basics. Is how do we take care of our people? How do we how do we create an atmosphere at Fresno State 
in which we can all thrive? And then how do we get Fresno State to the next level, to the next level of excellence? Um, and this is excellence in terms of industry, in terms of graduation uh, rates as well, and also in terms of who we are as, as an institution. How do we take pride in the institution? And how is it that the institution seamlessly is one in the power of the Valley as well? So that's, you know, that's the, sort of like the core. The specifics, of course, are online. And I can go into that, but I know that we have limited time. Yeah, but I, I want to transition to the next thing. One thing that's kind of important is kind of the margin of excellence, frankly. You know, there are some people that like you and others that want to take Fresno State to the, for the, to the next level. I mean, going from something of a regional powerhouse or kind right. of the, the big academic institution in the Valley um, to something really on a national or international level. Um, right. And I know that uh, CSU and the university can't advocate for uh, political efforts and things of that nature, but there was something on on the ballot a little while ago called Measure in, in 2022 that garnered 46% of the vote and would have given some money to Fresno State in, in terms of a, of a tax uh, that would go toward Fresno State. There, the same folks look like, or similar folks are gonna right. bring that back in next March, in, in March of uh, 24. And that would be a one cent sales tax on every $4 purchased in Fresno County. That's, right, yeah. that's going to generate $1.6 billion for yeah, Fresno That's State. some money, right, Mark? That's, that, is, <laughs> that, is, that is some money, yes. Um, I think the thing people would really want to know is, how is that money going to be spent? The money will be spent in a very efficient way. The money, if it were to pass, and again, I cannot endorse it, but I can certainly speak about what would happen if it were to pass. 85% um, of the funds would go to the academic side of the house. We would strengthen uh, engineering. Which, by the way, if I can just interrupt for just a second, I want to just highlight, that's a different That's different from the last measure where I think a third went to that's athletics. Right. Now it's down to 15%. That's right. That's correct. So 85% goes to the academic side of the house. Uh, we would strengthen partners, uh, you know, very specific areas that promote the vitality and the economy of the region. Engineering is one of them. Nursing is another one. Uh, criminology. Uh, we would strengthen the arts. We would strengthen our partnership with nonprofits in the region in order to bolster um, more community engagement with Fresno State and more internships for our students. We would have scholarships for our students. We would we would have uh, uh, you know money set aside as well for for research because we're an R two institution. Uh, so these are very concrete areas. But aside from that, of course, we also have deferred maintenance, and we would address the deferred maintenance. The biggest issue in all of this, though, is that we would take Fresno State from a university that is grant, that is, you know, that is very, very strong and very well recognized, to this incredible university with an influx of $1.6 billion. Imagine what could happen to the university, to Fresno State uh, at that level. Yeah, there was recently a, a Fresno Bee editorial on this, and they, they, were, they were pointing out the fact that, you know, some people say, well, this is going to impact lower income people more because they're paying uh, this tax. But the person said that I'm these not sure are the that people. It was no B. Um, I think it was another. It was another publication. But but this person was making the point though that when they've right. done polling, those are the very people that want this. So that was kind of, right. kind of interesting. Well, interesting let's talk help. about that. Right, eighty-five percent of my students are non-white, mm -hmm. um, meaning that eighty-five percent of my students come from um, from you know diverse communities. Um, Eighty percent of my students receive financial aid in a significant way. We. We uh, invest about $300 million a year in financial aid at Fresno State. Uh, so the, the type of demographics that I have and the type of students that I have uh, will be the ones, you know, who are, they're, they're first generation. Uh, and that's, that's, a step on, yeah, that's a step on the ladder to, to economic success. I mean, certainly I can say that right. personally, from my experience, my, my parents had a high school degree and and I uh, was able to, to do something with a higher education. Let me ask you this one last question. We've got about a minute left. 
some would argue that uh, Fresno State Athletics plays a pretty big role in kind of branding the university and frankly the community. Um, lots of changes in college athletics, you know, with all this conference realignment going on. Where do you see Fresno State Athletics in the future and what impact do you think that'll have on the academic side of the house? I think Fresno State Athletics um, is one with the university in its branding. Why? Because it is the passport that we have to the world and it is a passport that we, we export continuously. Just one single game, for example, this last weekend brought in about 39,000 people to the stadium. That's 39,000 people you know, present, uh, uh, in, in the presence of the showcase of Fresno State. So um, it is definitely uh, an integral part of the brand. And, and it's, I'm sorry, Carrie, but we're running out of time, but I also want to note, it's also going to be on national TV. That's right. And so it really does highlight the university and the yes. region in that respect. Yeah. So I certainly see your point. The stronger um, athletics is, the stronger the academic side of the house will become. Okay. Well, well thank you, uh, President uh, Jimenez Sandoval, for being with us. Up next, we're going to talk to President Lynette Zelezny with CSU Bakersfield to hear on what's going on down in Bakersfield. That conversation in a moment. This is the Maddie Report. Welcome back. I'm Mark Kepler with the Maddie Institute. As you know, Bakersfield and Kern County are really the energy epicenter for California, producing 70% of all the oil and gas in California. What's less well known is that it's also the home of significant wind, solar, geothermal, and biofuels energy generation. And CSUB, CSU Bakersfield, is well positioned to take advantage of that. What are their plans? Well, we get to ask the president of CSUB, Lynette Zelezny. Welcome back to the Maddie Report. It's always nice to be with you, Mark. Thanks so much for the invite. Yeah, always great. You know, last year we were talking about this $80 million energy center that you now have at Cal State Bakersfield. I just wanted to follow up on that conversation. Where is that now? What's happening? Well, $83 million, uh, again, thanks to- I'm sorry for forgetting the extra three. Yeah, yeah, uh, those extra millions really do count for us. And uh, thanks to Governor Newsom for the support that he gave to Kern County and for supporting innovation in energy. And uh, Cal State Bakersfield is is at the epicenter of of energy innovation. So we're really proud of it. And uh, just to give you an update, tomorrow uh, we will be uh, having a, 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 MOU signing with Lawrence Livermore National Laboratories. And uh, we're very proud that we'll be the only CSU that has an MOU with a, a national laboratory of that stature. And we will leverage that MOU to really think about then the next the next chapter of how do we build um, our energy expertise, faculty, uh, bringing together corporate and uh, uh, academic researchers with students. And uh, and then we uh, we intend to we have an RFP out for the building, and there'll be a presentation at the board of trustees probably in spring. And I look forward to getting uh, some dirt uh, churned up uh, uh, shortly after. Well, I, I think what you've done there in Bakersfield actually is is, is really smart. You know, we have a 23 campus CSU system, and you've kind of said, okay, we're going to be the leaders on energy. And I think each school kind of has to claim what they're really good at. And, and you've certainly focused uh, Bakersfield logically on, on an energy. Let me ask you this. And I want to talk to you about the California Master Plan for Higher Education. This thing that was set up in the 1960s, and it's kind of considered the model nationwide. It said, okay, listen, community colleges, you focus on the two-year associate's degree and providing career training. Cal States, you focus on the baccalaureate and master's degrees. And UCs, you focus on the, on the PhD and doctoral programs and research. It seems now you're seeing a bit of a shift here. You're seeing community colleges want to offer baccalaureates. You see Cal States wanting to offer doctorates. Is there a time to revisit uh, that 1960 master plan? Yeah, you know, we're really proud of uh, Bakersfield's role in the master plan. Dorothy Donahoe 
uh, obviously from Bakersfield, uh, played a key role in that. And uh, we, we really uh, want to, again, though, always be thinking about the future. And certainly the future is making sure there's opportunities for as many students as possible to take advantage of higher education, whether it be at the community colleges, the CSUs, or at the UCs. And uh, certainly what we're interested in is, is making sure that we're not competing with one another. We're being, uh, we're, we're being uh, good partners to one another, but we want to make sure that we can produce in this state 1.1 million more four-year university degrees for our workforce development in California. And yeah. so, uh, so is, there, is there time for discussion? Always. Um, but again, what you're seeing is that, and I completely support that, if uh, community colleges, uh, in fact, Taft just put together a really good proposal for a bachelor uh, degree in uh, dental hygienics um, uh, management. Uh, well, we're not going to have that in the CSU, but that's a great job. Um, yeah, we well, th th those degrees or areas that aren't covered by the CSU could be covered by community colleges. Uh, and same with the DACA programs at CSU, those that are not exactly. covered. Exactly. So doctors of, you know, physical therapy, uh, you know, that's not going to be uh, something that's offered at the UC. Um, those are applied subjects, and that's what the uh, the the, uh, the California State Universities do so very well. Yeah. And then don't forget, you know, um, a lot of people say, well, you know, why do we need both the UC and, 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 and the CSU and the community colleges? But don't forget, you know, each of us, you know, also have specialties. So, right. um, you know, a lot of folks say to me, well, you know, gosh, um, you know, I'm going to go to a UC, but I want to be a teacher. It's like, well, the CSU is where we train the teachers. The CSU is where we train uh, the accountants, the engineers, the nurses. Those are the CSU applied subjects. And we're proud of those as well as many others. You know, we're running up against uh, against the time, and I, I know you because you're so modest. You didn't allow me to ask you. And I wanted to ask you a question about what you're proudest of. You got about 15 seconds, if you can. What you're proudest of? You've done so much great work there. Super proud of the public-private partnership with Bakersfield College. That college is on my campus here at CSU. We're one of a kind here in the state. Super proud of 20. Uh, $200 million of facilities improvement. Super proud of those soaring graduation rates and our work with B3K to really improve 100,000 new jobs in Kern County for workforce development. Well, thank you very much for your contribution to the CSU, to the Valley, and to Bakersfield specifically. Really appreciate Mark, thank it. Thank you. Thanks for your leadership. It's great to be with you. Great to be with you too. Well, up next, we're going to go to the other end of the Valley and talk to the new president at Stan State. That conversation in a moment. This is Mark Hepler with the Maddie Report. Welcome back. I'm Mark Kepler with the Maddie Institute. You know, Stan State, as it's affectionately called, really ensures that folks in the North Valley get a high-quality CSU education. Our guest is interim president of California State University Stanislaus, Dr. Susan Borrego. Welcome to the Maddie Report. Thanks so much. Nice to be here today. You know, I've always thought that your campus is one of the most attractive campuses in the CSU, it's, but it's a hidden gem. People don't know about it, but the word is getting out. Um, you know, one thing I noticed that recently, you were ranked number two for best bang for the buck by Washington Monthly. That's pretty impressive. Yes. So so what what makes what makes Stan State unique and what attracted you to Stan State? Yeah. Well, two things. One, the attraction is as a CSU with a commitment to being a regional comprehensive, a lot of first gen students. Uh, that part's a no brainer for me. That's work I've been doing my entire career. It's what I believe education should be about. When you think about Stan State in the ranking, 
it shouldn't surprise anyone that with 74% of our students being first-generation students, they meet an academic degree that then helps position them in a job and their social mobility moves. So that doesn't surprise any of us. Um, I think the reality is for every dollar a Stan State student invests in their degree, their earnings equal $12.5 per single dollar. I think the other thing that's a big, uh, a big piece of information is that um, when people are talking about the increase this year in yeah, I want I wanted to ask you about that because one of the things you're, you're very forward. One of the things I noticed in in looking up some things about Stan State was I was I was shocked by this actually. It takes less than one year for a student to pay back uh, the cost of their education. With tuition increasing the CSU, some may wonder is that going to be impacted by the increase in tuition? It shouldn't at all. The increase is three hundred and seventy two dollars this year. It will go into effect in twenty twenty four. But for fully 73% of our students that receive financial aid, they will experience no increase because a third of that fee increase is going into financial aid. So many of our students won't experience that. Another 12 to 15% of our students, it will be minimized the increase because they get some sort of grant or SUG funding that will help offset that. Yeah, I mean, it is really important to underscore the impact that uh, schools like Stan State have on social mobility. I mean, uh, you're in the top 20% in the nation right. when it comes to moving right. students, you know, improving their economic mobility. That's that's very impressive. Yeah, we're really proud of that and work hard to make sure our students have the support they need to be able to complete that degree. That's the biggest thing. A student's success, that's what our success is. So, yeah, well, I'm go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. No, no, it's the, the lack of, of, of folks with baccalaureate degrees in the Valley is, is, a, is something that's important. You know, companies want to locate here, but they need to have a, a, a workforce that, that's educated. And, and schools like Stan State are really filling that void. Well, and we do a lot of work outside the classroom, a lot of internships. I was in a meeting this morning with the city manager of Turlock, who has been the city manager and worked for the city for years. His first internship was in the city manager's office in the city of Turlock. You know, that, that's better than that. That that is that is so relevant and and so timely. It's very true of a, of a lot of students uh, here in the valley. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak because I know you're very busy as the interim president at Stan State and Susan Borrego. Thanks so much for joining us. Up next, we're going to hear from UC Merced Chancellor Juan Munoz about what's happening at the Valley's UC. That conversation in a moment. This is the Maddie Report. Welcome back. I'm Mark Kepler with the Maddie Institute. We're talking with the Valley's leaders in higher education. Our next guest is the leader of the Valley's University of California campus. He is UC Merced Chancellor Juan Munoz. Welcome back to the Maddie Report. Good to be back with you, Mark. So, you know, you recently commented that uh, at UC Merced, quote, student success has always been our North Star, unquote. You know, it appears that's being recognized nationally. Uh, notably, the Wall Street Journal uh, recently ranked UC Merced 15th for public institutions and 59th overall for rankings of universities across the United States. I mean, when you consider that UC Merced is kind of the new kid on the block, they've only been around less than 20 years. That's a pretty incredible ranking. Uh, that's not easy to do. So what do you attribute UC Merced's success to? Yeah, no, we're very proud of those rankings, uh, not just Washington Monthly, but there are several other publications that have also recognized the, the ARC 
of the university, including a, a report by an organization called the Third Way that uh, also recognizes this common theme of um, academic so, uh, excellence of students leading to social and economic mobility. I would certainly attribute a great deal to the culture of the campus uh, here, uh, a campus where many of our faculty and staff come from similar backgrounds, uh, many from the Valley. Uh, I would certainly associate the quality of our faculty research, our facilities, as well as uh, just a, a deep commitment to the kind of students that come here overwhelmingly are from California, uh, well over 50% are Pell eligible, first generation, very diverse. Now, I wanna, I wanna, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to follow up on that because it's really interesting. Uh, uh, my, my daughter's on our high school robotics team. One of the best students in that uh, program last year is one of the 15 students that's part of your UC Merced's inaugural San Joaquin Valley Prime program. Um, the, and she's, and this, this girl chose UC Merced over a number of top universities. Uh, it's it basically tracking students, Valley students, then becoming doctors. Sounds like an incredible opportunity. Right. We had, uh, we had uh, about 1,300 students begin the application for the BS to the MD program. And uh, we were uh, going to admit uh, 12, we admitted 15. Very, very selective students that could have uh, go anywhere in the country, uh, but chose to come here to be part of a seamless program that leads from a bachelor's degree uh, directly into medical school. They'll begin their medical education here at UC Merced in our new medical education building. And incidentally, uh, this is why, uh, uh, here's another ranking that came out last Monday. US News and World Report ranked UC Merced uh, 60th among all national, national, not regional, national universities, 60, both public and private, and among public, 28th in the country, 28th in the country among all <laughs> national universities, in, in fact, ahead of two other University of California campuses. So we're very, very proud. And we're looking, we think we're a magnificent op option for the best students in our in our valley and our, in our state and our country. Yeah, and they stay here. I mean, one of the things about your program is, you know, Valley students have a tendency once they go through, they'll go through your program and UCSF and come back as doctors, they're going to stay in the Valley and, and address that problem, which I do want to follow up on the medical uh, school thing. Uh, last year, we talked about the $210 million for your medical education building. It's going to be built on campus. Just wondering if you give us a quick update. Sure. First of all, it's uh, it's going to be more than $210 million. Uh, it'll be substantially more than that. The final building, we're very, very excited about it. Uh, as, a, as a matter of fact, come um, uh, November, I will present the final design drawings and plans to the Board of Regents for final approval. We hope to get into the ground uh, very early in the spring. And uh, hopefully we'll have some press coverage around that. Uh, the completion, the, the delivery timeline has not changed. We hope to have that facility uh, completed by a fall of 26, uh, spring of 27. And our, the very students we spoke about beginning classes in that building uh, fall of 2027. And we're very, very excited. That'll be the cornerstone to what will eventually lead to an independently accredited School of, Med uh, School of Medicine at UC Merced. You know, I, I've been here since 1987, and they've been talking about that since 1987, and it seems like it got on, on a rocket ship uh, recently, UC Merced, so congratulations on that. So I want to end with this one last thing. You know, UC Merced, UC Merced, like other UC campuses, is known for its research, but sometimes people don't really understand how that research connects to their daily lives. Can you talk about some of the research you're doing at UC Merced that's improving the lives of people in the San Joaquin Valley? Yes, yes of course. Well, UC Merced was placed in the Valley to help, uh, among other things, serve the people of the Valley. And so there's any number of areas of research that are being looked at, whether it's soil, whether it's the water uh, shed, 
uh, and how water helps irrigate the the, the vast uh, ag uh, uh, agricultural land in, in in the in the valley. But also, we have faculty that are studying uh, particulates in the atmosphere and uh, and uh, its impact on uh, what they call valley fever and other other sort of pulmonary issues. We have people studying traffic. We have people studying soil, water, irrigation, uh, how to how to provide and uh, how to how to fertilize in a way that isn't uh, uh, damaging the uh, communities and, and people's health. And so uh, this is a campus very much dedicated to the region and studying uh, areas that help improve the lives of the people that live here. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that all the stuff you're talking about are directly related to the people's lives here, here in the Valley. I want to thank UC Merced Chancellor Juan Munoz, a very busy guy, for joining us. I also want to thank the other presidents of the CSUs for joining us as well. This is Mark Kepler for the Maddie Institute. Thanks for joining us. Up next, what are the Valley's leading community colleges doing to improve career training, as well as ensure a seamless transition for those who want to pursue a degree to a four-year college? We'll ask the leaders from Modesto Junior College, Merced College, Clovis Community College, Fresno City College, the College of the Sequoias, and West Hills College. That conversation in a moment. The Maddie Report, Valley Views Edition, is a public affairs partnership between KMJ Radio, Cumulus Media, and the nonpartisan Maddie Institute, providing the Valley with valuable insight and analysis on politics and important public policy issues. This is KMJ. Welcome. So community colleges were originally designed to award two-year associate degrees and provide career training, but they've evolved to do much more. Our next guests lead the North Valley's most recognized community colleges. They are President Chris Vitelli with Merced College and President Chad Redwing with Modesto Junior College. Welcome to the Matter Report Valley Views Edition. Thank you, glad to be here. So President Vitelli with Merced uh, College, you know, workforce training has been a traditional focus of community colleges. So how are you preparing the workforce in the North Valley? Yeah, no, it's simple. The, the community college system really is set to either prepare people for the workforce or help them to transfer. And a big part of our mission is making sure that we have relevant workforce training programs aligned with industry standards and needs. And that's exactly what we do. We are uh, continually assessing the needs of our market and forecasting what those workforce needs are, and then responding by providing that workforce training. So whether it is in, um, maintenance automation, HVAC work, automotive technology, welding, ag, horticulture, you name it, the industries that we serve here, we've got workforce training programs for them. And if we're really doing our job, which I think we are, um, each community college should be able to tell you that uh, what we offer is aligned with their specific needs and aligned with their technologies and emerging technologies. So let me ask uh, President Redwing with uh, Modesto Junior College, uh, how are you sizing up the local job market and what you're off in terms of what you're offering students? Yeah, very good. I think I'll maybe pick up where uh, President Vitelli left off, and that is the the notion of kind of relevant workforce training that is aligned between the classroom and the career. Uh, there's a problem, right? We're as a species, we're getting too smart, so knowledge is beginning to duplicate every 18 months now. Well, we offer two-year degrees. So part of the problem with workforce development is you give them a relevant degree and by the time they get through the degree program, the technology is already reiterated in the industry and they already have to learn on the job anyway. So I think part of the issue becomes we need to look way farther down the runway, which is why I think we're uh, 
performing, I think, really relevant partnerships in a circular biomass project in the northern San Joaquin Valley. President Vitelli can talk to you about it as well. But we need to figure out what the industries are going to look like in 2030 and build to that. And I think what that industry is going to look like in 2030 years is the value of biomass, what we now call kind of the leftovers of the agricultural harvest production soon are going to have enormous value. And I think from there, we can make a very small step and say, well, if the Central Valley has been the breadbasket of the world, why is it also not going to be the breadbasket of the solar system? And how do we blow, how do we grow corn on Mars? And therefore, shouldn't our programs that align with workforce, shouldn't we be doing vertical farm, farming, hydroponics? Well, you really, you, you reminds me of the movie, The Martian, right? You're already like six steps ahead of us. Yeah. Um, let, me, let, me, let me ask this because, uh, President Vitelli brought this up. Uh, so President Roy, we want to stay with you for a second. Uh, again, with Modesto Junior College, you know, the role of community college is also helping prepare students to transition to a four-year degree if that's what they want. What are you doing to ensure that that transition is seamless? Well, um, first of all, it's a real problem, right? We've got, I think between two-year institutions and four-year institutions, we actually serve very different students. Uh, in the community college, in the two-year system, 85% of our students are 25 or older. And in a four-year traditional undergraduate experience, 70% of those students are under 24. So what we're faced with are working learners. And so how you working learner transition to a four-year institution is a little bit different of a journey. And so I think what we're doing is trying to front-end livable wages certificates in the first year of a degree program a small quick example is if you want to be a psychology major, which is a very popular degree, it would be very nice in your first year to take a psych tech certification, which gives you a livable wage, which allows you to be a working learner in the field you're studying, which most studies suggest accelerate learners when their work and their classroom experience. That's a great, that's a great idea. That, that's a really, really good idea. Um, so uh, President uh, Vitello with Merced College, what are you doing to help students, your students transition to a four-year college, those who want to do that? Yeah, our focus has really been on support and simplifying the process. So partnering with uh, our four-year uh, institutions to make sure that our programs are seamlessly aligned. Uh, on our website, we have a program mapper and every one of our degrees, our transfer degrees are aligned with every single California State University and UC Merced. And so our students can get on regardless of what they want to study. They can click uh, that degree in that major and they can see how that maps out for four years, starting at Merced College all the way through UC Merced or CSU Fresno. And then we've also recently uh, been awarded a $100 million grant to build a transfer housing dormitory on UC Merced's campus. And so that's another initiative to provide some support services, uh, among many other uh, wraparound support services that we provide. Yeah, that, that's, that is another good idea. I mean, you're, you're making that transition so much easier for, for folks. And I love the idea of the mapping too, uh, because I know as, as even a parent, you know, it's like trying to figure things out to help their kid. Having a map is, is very, very helpful. But let me ask you this, you know, um, and I'll stay with, with you, uh, President Patel with Merced College. You know, the pandemic really increased online learning. How much of that has impacted your campus? You know, we're starting to settle back into a new norm, if you will. Uh, we were able to take advantage of some of the worst parts of the pandemic. And what I mean by that is that we were able to really embrace online learning in a more dynamic way. We put in an innovation center at Merced College. We've got studios and green rooms. We've got instructional designers. We want to make sure that 
uh, those students who want to continue to learn online get the absolute best experience possible. And so um, making sure that we're staying ahead of the S-curve on innovation and technology is a part of that process. Yeah, I, th I think that really online learning is, is very helpful, even like a hybrid model, both in class and, you know, doing online learning. Well, what do you think, uh, President Red Wing, uh, at Modesto Junior College, is, is that one positive part of the, of the pandemic that online learning is now provides more opportunities for folks? Yeah, two, two quick points. First of all, uh, primarily, I'll reaffirm what President Vitelli said. We've got about half of our classes that are still online post-pandemic. So what our students are telling us is they want to choose your own adventure. They want to be able to choose the modality in which that instruction is delivered. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to have to look towards online, face-to-face, -face, hybrid, high flex. Basically, the student can access the class and the modality they would choose. Yeah, you know, we've only got about 45 seconds up, but I want to ask you guys both quickly. Uh, the community college degree, good return on investment. So we'll ask uh, President uh, Red Wing first. Uh, the U.S. Labor Department suggests that every degree you get beyond high school certificate to Ph.D. Inclu includes a lifelong increase in income and a less likely chance of unemployment. It's still the best thing you can do invest in the future. Okay, President Patel, you get you got a few seconds. Hey, the best bang for your buck, you can't get a higher quality education than the community college system. And I think that everyone should start with us and then build on the momentum from there. It is a heck of a value. It really, really is. I want to thank our guests, President Chris Vitelli with Merced College and President Chad Redwing with Modesto Junior College for joining us. As we head south down the 99, where are the community colleges in the Fresno Clovis area doing differently? Our guests are President Kim Armstrong with Clovis Community College and President Robert Pimatel from Fresno City College. Welcome to the Man Report Valley Views Edition. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for being here. I know how busy your schedules are, so I appreciate the time. So we'll start with uh, President Armstrong at, at Clovis Community College. Uh, we've noted that you know community colleges have traditionally been focused on improving career education. Of course, of course, each part of the valley is a little different in their workforce needs. What types of workforce training are you focusing on uh, in the Fresno Clovis area when it comes to workforce development? Well, again, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled with the opportunity to be here with my colleague, Dr. Pimentel. As you know, Fresno City Community College is the oldest community college in the state, whereas Clovis is one of the newer ones. So our perspectives will be slightly different just based on the longevity of our existence for that. So in terms of workforce development, we're relatively new at the game as we have not existed, not 10 years yet, as we started as a college in 2015. So we're relatively new in the workforce development uh, game, if you will have yeah, it. You even changed your name. So. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. So because my sister's school already has nursing and we do recognize that there's a large need for healthcare uh, professionals in our valley, we are focusing primarily on occupational therapy assistance program because that is a niche that we can provide and still make sure that our students have access to uh, work when they may not be quite ready to go into the nursing program. Okay. Yep. The second thing that we have is our, one of my favorites is the mechatronics program, which is basically industrial automation. So it's really a combination of. I'm glad you explained that to me. I, I love, love that. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a two-year program for pre-engineering, but you can go straight to work with this degree. So again, uh, some of our automation, some of our um, more technical programs, like with the hydration, things that we can do with our ag programs, we're able to do through Megatronics. And we have a very, very, very good program. 
We also have commercial arts music program that's second to none. We have outstanding faculty and staff. So those young people who want to go into the performing arts or even the commercial arts, we have that here as well. And then of course, business. As you see post pandemic, quite a few students do want to go in and start their own businesses. So that is something we're very much in tune with and are providing for our students. So President uh, Pimentel, a lot of things going on at Clovis Community College. What's going on at Fresno City College in terms of workforce uh, training? Well, first of all, thank you for having us. I think it's uh, it's important for the public to understand what we actually do. Uh, we, uh, contrary to the belief, you know, believe it or not, we actually train more students to transfer to the university rather than uh, career technical education. So uh, well, I would say about 70% of our students are coming here to transfer to get a four-year degree. You know, is that a change over time? Because one of the things I've been seeing reading about community colleges is that the demographics are changing. Um, that it used to be kind of this, uh, it, it, you're seeing a lot more high school students taking community college courses. And you're also seeing other people toward the end of their career making, you know, career change uh, training kind of stuff. Is that what you're seeing at, at Fresno City? Yeah, that's that's pretty much what's happening, I think, throughout the, the state. You know, we, we see a lot of students coming to us, not so much uh, for career technical ed, Although we do have our, our CTE students still coming to us, but I, I, the big majority of our students are coming here to become, um, to not to become anything, to go to the university and then graduate from there with a nursing degree or engineering or whatever. Uh, but we do have our, our career technical education programs. We have nursing, we have manufacturing, automotive. Uh, we also have pre-engineering. We also have very robust theater arts programs. I mean, you name it, we pretty much, we have over hundred programs here at Fresno City. So we have a lot yeah, of- I'm, just, I'm gonna ask a question that's kind of off the grid here, so to speak. Um, with electric vehicles, are you seeing your automotive department getting into that as well? Yes, they are. And we, in fact, if you visit our new West Fresno campus starting this spring, we will have the largest automotive center on the west side of the United States. So uh, we are going to be working on uh, electric vehicles there. We have diesel truck, we have regular automotive. That's one of the largest careers that we train on. You know, it's interesting because uh, I was involved with a, a grant program at one time where we could give school districts new electric buses and the school district turned it down. We were shocked. Why would you turn down new buses? The answer, their maintenance people didn't know how to maintain them. And so because they hadn't had the training on that and then, you know, you know, improved diesel, that's those kinds of things. So knowing how to maintain those kinds of things are very important. It's not just buying them, it's knowing how to maintain them. You know, I want to ask you again uh, something else, uh, uh, President uh, Pimentel. Uh, what about um, the decline in enrollments you've been hearing about with community college? Kind of get hit pretty hard, like all of us did, with the pandemic. You're seeing, this, you're seeing a bit of an uptick now in enrollments again. Has that been completely rectified? Or you? And by the way, what role does online teaching have to do with all this? Is that attracting students or repelling students? Do they like it or not? So you asked me like 15 questions. Our enrollment is slowly climbing back up from the pandemic. We're almost back to pre-pandemic numbers. The Central Valley is one that we knew was going to bounce back and, and we're starting to see our numbers coming back strong. Uh, we are doing a lot more online uh, education because that's what our students want. And so we went from like three to 4% to 25% online. Uh, not as much of the pri as the privates, but we, we are catching up. And, you know, there are two, two schools of thoughts there. We, you you want to have the trained faculty to be able to teach online. And that's, uh, you know, we're doing that right now. We're offering professional development, just like we did during the pandemic. And we are going back and training our students because our students have to be, you know, trained to take classes online as well. 
So let, let me ask uh, President Armstrong at uh, Clovis Community College, are you seeing an uptick also in enrollments and are you relying a lot more on online? So only two questions there. Yes, absolutely seeing an, an uptick across the district, but also certainly here at Clovis. So yes, and again, we're seeing the increase in the online as well. But what we're looking at is this semester as being you know, a, a, a semester a year past what we call the end of the pandemic, even though it hasn't really ended, that we're getting to see a decline in the online offering needs, but an increase in the in-person. So we're trying to balance both because our traditional age students want to be on campus, but also they some of them started off online. <laughs> you know, that, that really, I, you know, I, I teach at the university and that really surprised me when I asked students, do you prefer online or in-person? And to my surprise, they said in-person. Um, I thought they liked maybe the convenience of online, but they actually like it in person. We've only got about a minute left, but I want to just finish with this this thing that uh, actually uh, President Pimentel, you brought up, and that is this you know connection between community colleges and four-year universities. Are you what's going on with improving the uh, the seamlessness of that uh, that transition process? What are you doing to to improve that that transition? Well, we continue to work with our partners at the four-year university. It was going really well with the associate's degree for transfer, but lately we've been having a little bit of a hiccup with that. Uh, some of our, our university partners haven't been really recognizing the transfer degree like they were in the past. So we're working on that. Our chancellor has been in communications with uh, state legislators and we're trying to make that better. Uh, so to answer the question, it, it's working, but it's, it was working a little bit better about a year or two ago. <laughs> so, so President Armstrong, I'll give me the last word on this. Um, how's it going with, with helping students transition from an associate's degree to a baccalaureate? I'm proud to say it's going very well. As you may or may not know, we're one of the champions of transfer across the state. We're number one in the state for our transfer programs. I did not know that. That's good to know. Yes, we are this small little college and this new college. So for all transfer, for our Latinx and our African American transfer, and for those in English, we're doing an excellent job. Five years in a row. That's our that's our claim to fame. But we do it in addition to what Dr. Pimentel said by also working very closely with our high schools. Yeah, that's it, it's it's the entire process, right? High school, community college, and the college. Yes. A, a great and a great deal going to community college. We've got some great community colleges here locally. So I want to thank President Kim Armstrong with Clovis Community College and President Robert Pimentel with Fresno City College for joining us. Up next, we'll venture to talk to community college leaders in the South Valley to hear what they're doing to address the unique workforce and educational needs in their area. That conversation in a moment. This is the Maddie Report. Our next guests can speak to the unique workforce and educational needs in the South Valley. They are Chancellor Kristen Clark with West Hills College and President Brent Calvin with the College of Sequoias. Welcome to the Matty Report Valley Views Edition. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, great to have you. Uh, well, let's start with you, uh, uh, Chancellor Clark from uh, West Hills. Uh, I'm wondering how the increased use of distance learning is meshing with workforce training. You know, it seems like online training, you know, it's going to probably work for white collar occupations like accounting, but does it work as well for the types of workforce training that you're, you're doing? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think a lot has changed post-pandemic. I think students are more um, apt to use technology and online. Uh, I do think it can work for technical workforce training. Um, and to keep up with the changes, we've modified the way we schedule classes. So more hybrid approach to doing that, where students you know, do a lot of their theory online, maybe some of the practicum on campus. Um, but then in addition, we use tools like, uh, for example, on our industrial maintenance program, we have a tool called Amtrol Learning, which provides the technical training and uh, virtual trainers. 
major companies like Nestle, Amazon, and Target use these same softwares, and it helps students certify uh, and earn certificates that show that they have the skill set. Uh, we also have apprenticeship pro programs where students can complete the theory online and then learn the skills on the job or at their place of employment. So we're, we're seeing more comfort in online, even in our career technical and workforce training. So, so yeah, it makes sense. So uh, uh, President uh, Calvin uh, with College Sequoia, it does make it more convenient, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I, I think there's a place for remote learning, uh, particularly in a hybrid model where some of the practicum can be done uh, online prior to um, being on site to, to kind of get the hands-on training. But I do think it's, it's um, incumbent on uh, community college and our entire system to reinvest in, um, in the trades, if you will. We've tried to do that here. We're in the midst of about a $40 million expansion on our Tulare campus that will house 12 to 14 of our, of our trade programs. I, I, I think those are high demand, high well, demand jobs. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, people forget how important the trades are. You can have, live a very good life, make a very good wage doing the trades, and there's a huge need for it. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, that, that's really important. But let me ask you this though. There are some folks, uh, President Calvin, who want to go to go to a four-year college, get a four-year degree. Um, how is the transfer process working? Is that getting better? I think over the last decade, um, it's, it's, it's gotten better and better, particularly from community colleges to the CSU, the California State University partnered with our system to come up with associate degrees for transfer, ADTs, we commonly call them, which uh, if a student uh, completes 60 units um, with a uh, minimum GPA, and that moves a little bit depending on kind of supply and demand factors, but normally in the 2.7 to 3.0 GPA range, they would be guaranteed a space at, at uh, a CSU, not necessarily the, the CSU of their choice, Normally it's regionally, like our students would, would normally be guaranteed a place at Fresno State and, and um, uh, students from Bakersfield College would be guaranteed a space at, at CSUB. Um, but that really took a lot of the guesswork out of, um, out of the whole process. And we've been happy with that. Um, here recently with the Cal, the Cal movement, trying to have one consistent uh, general ed pattern for all three systems, the community college, the CSU, and the UC. Um, there's some questions about what will happen to our ADT uh, work. So we're a little bit concerned about that, but it's it's really too too soon to tell. The Calagetsi has not been completely approved yet. Um, it's not scheduled to start until fall of 25. So Dr. Clark may have some insight into that, but it's something we're monitoring pretty closely. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to get uh, Chancellor Clark's input on that. I will say this, you know, my older brother went the community college route to Fourier College. Um, and it was a perfect transition for him. Um, and he, he is a huge advocate of the community college uh, path of to a four-year degree. So Chancellor Clark, are we doing enough? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think we are doing a lot. And as uh, President Calvin just mentioned, we've made strides over the last 10 years, but I still think we have a long way to go. Uh, for example, we, we implemented something called a Course Identification Numbering System, or CID, and it was created by faculty to create some identification of common courses. It's how we built those associate degree for transfer. And although it's been really great, 
some of the courses are still not approved at the CSU level. And there's a little bit of um, uh, scrutiny, I would say, where some of our courses, uh, faculty at the CSU are asking for syllabi um, or the course outline of record to give you know, the equivalency. And unfortunately, not all the programs in the same fields are considered similar enough. So for example, um, our local CSU has removed our business administration, bio, kinesiology in the similarity list. So there's still some impact. Um, and I think we need to pay attention to that. Yeah, I'm gonna, I only got about uh, two minutes left, but I wanna get this, I wanna collapse two questions I had for you into one, if that's all right. So I'll start with you, uh, President Calvin. You know, you, we, we moved to online learning during the pandemic. I'm wondering if that exacerbated or closed the achievement gap. And then second, what do you see as the biggest challenges and opportunities going forward in the next three to five years? I. <clears throat> First of all, we did what we had to do to get through the pandemic. We all know that. And I do think there's there's a place we've all gotten better at remote learning and we're increasing the number of, of, of classes that are available to working adults and things like that. So there de there's definitely a place for remote learning, but I do think in in some pockets it's exacerbated the the achievement gap. I think not everyone has access to to uh, Wi-Fi and laptops and those sorts of things. We do our best to supply students in need with those resources, but um, they're still, I think it chips away at the, 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 the problems that we've seen um, for, for, for decades. Uh, and then in terms of the biggest challenges moving, moving forward, um, I, I just think it's, it's that connection that we, we talked about in our last question, that connection between our system and uh, our four-year brethren. It's uh, very, very important that we solidify that link. Yeah, so uh, Chancellor Clark, um, same questions to you. Close the achievement gap and what are we looking at going forward? Well, we've seen an increase in the number of young students, 18 and 19 year olds who are taking online courses post-pandemic. So we went from 17% to 25%. So, a, a, you know, a big enough increase. And when we look at headcount, it's even larger. Um, and participate the participation rates have diversified as far as age, gender, ethnicity. So we have about a 2% increase of males who are taking online at a younger age. We actually have seen some progress in our online um, completion and success rates. And I attribute a lot of that to the development we've done with faculty and then also um, the, the fact that I think we've gotten more comfortable with online teaching since the pandemic. So a positive view going forward, it sounds like we're going to be able to use the online learning to make education more attainable uh, for a lot of folks. I want to thank thank our guests, Kristen uh, Clark. She's Chancellor of West Hills College and President Brett Calvin. He's the president of the College of Sequoias. I want to thank also the other leaders of the Valley's Institutions of Higher Learning for joining us. If you want to stay current with state and local politics, you can sign up for our e-newsletter, The Maddie Daily, by just logging on to our website at maddieinstitute.org. This is Mark Kepler for the Maddie Report, Valley Views Edition. Thanks for joining us. The Maddie Report, Valley Views Edition, is a public affairs partnership between KMJ Radio, Cumulus Media, and the nonpartisan Maddie Institute, providing the Valley with valuable insight and analysis on politics and important public policy issues. This is KMJ.